If you've been wishing, hoping, and dreaming about taking your business from six figures to multi-six figures or multi-six figures to seven figures, then I wanna make sure you get our new free guide, the multi-six and seven-figure scaling roadmap. Inside the guide, I pulled back the curtains and I shared all the strategies that I used and they can help you too. First, they can help you triple your monthly sales. I shared proven strategies with you that led to a 3X increase in my monthly sales. Second, I show you exactly how to crush your limiting beliefs. Say goodbye to doubts like, you can't charge that much and there aren't enough ideal clients for you too. Third, how to only work with ideal clients. I show you how to become the go-to expert and attract only the perfect clients and referrals. And finally, I show you how to quantum leap to $20,000 plus every single month. I show you exactly how to take a quantum leap from 8,000 per month, for example, to 20,000 a month. You can absolutely break through your upper limit barrier and enjoy five and six figure months every single month. Make 2024 your dream come true year by downloading your free guide today. Just click the link in the show notes below. Welcome to Double Your Sales Now, where you'll discover top resources for selling strategies, powerful tips, and best practices to open your mind and performance to the next level. You can double your sales too. So let's get to it with your sales coach, Ursula Menches. Welcome back to Double Your Sales Now. I'm super excited to be back. This is part two of seven strategies to break through your current income ceiling and 2X, 3X, or 4X your business with Rebecca Hall. And if you haven't, if you didn't listen to part one, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to that first because what we're going to talk about today will make even more sense. And I also introduced Rebecca um, on the last show at a high level. She is a veteran business coach. She's coached over 2,500 businesses over the last 15 years. She's the CEO of several companies and she's a master coach here at Sales Coach Now. So Rebecca, welcome back to part two. Awesome. Thank you. I didn't change since our last. I didn't either. Note to self. All right. Well, that's okay. Um, we want to keep the energy rolling from part one. And where we left off, we had talked about the importance of knowing your numbers. So we talked about the first two strategies. Number one is really know your numbers, project out for the 12 months that are coming and why it's so important to do that. And then we talked about how important it is to shift your limiting beliefs and your story around 2Xing, 3Xing, or 4Xing your sales and to really check in with your generational beliefs and you know uh, beliefs about money and sales and all those things that can keep you stuck in place. And so again, if you haven't, go back and listen to that show first because it'll help set the stage for what we're going to talk about today. So we're going to talk about the next five strategies and we left off kind of leaning into the importance of time management or time and how do we how do we start to maximize our time and one of the things I love to think about is even how do we collapse time and get more done in less time with a team around us. So one, one quick story I wanted to share and because we're being vulnerable here. If you listen to the part one, this is about sharing our truths. And one of the places I, I got really stuck in my own business was in the area of being the CEO. And, you know, I've been a coach in my business for a long time. I've been the lead sales trainer. I'm still doing some of those things, although not as much. And, you know, I'll be doing less um, individual coaching over time just to maximize my own time. And it's why Rebecca is one of our master coaches here 
and why we're, you know, expanding some of the programs that we do. And I was working with one of my coaches one day and she really, she really challenged me on this CEO piece. One of the things I'm really good at is delegating. In fact, I would say it's one of my superpowers. I'm great at delegating. It comes from my work in the corporate world. I'm good at like just getting it all off my plate. But I hadn't truly stepped into CEO because there was a there was a part of me that still believed that I had to be in the magic all the time. And Rebecca, as you always say, like, if you think you're the magic, like you can't grow your business. Right. And I was stuck there. And there was so much freedom in that shift for me. So hopefully that that little snippet gives you a little bit of freedom, because I want to ask you, are you truly standing in your CEO shoes right now? And for some of our clients, those are stiletto heels, which is fantastic. For others of you, you got your running shoes on. I don't care what kind of shoes you're standing in. What kind, like where, where are your CEO shoes? What is it like to stand in them? How would you know if you're fully in them? Because I'll tell you, I think I had a running shoe on and a stiletto and it just wasn't working. So now I am firmly in, and you wouldn't, I wouldn't be in stilettos very long unless I had one of our clients, <laughs> Vivian Lou, Abby Walker's shoe insole inside my shoes. So then I could be in my stilettos. But otherwise, you'd catch me in some cute Sorrells, right? I can move in those, but they got a nice heel. And I am fully in those now. And when you stand in that space of CEO, you see your business in a completely different way. So I just wanted to play with that. And I really want that to be the rails on the conversation that ha we're having today. One of the, the new things we launched this year is our CEO tables 2X breakthrough experience. And we're inviting CEOs to take a seat at their, their table. And that table being a multi-six, seven-figure, multi-seven-figure business or beyond. And it's been incredible. It's been incredible to see them take their seat, not, not just take it, but claim their seat and then sit in it and just how tall they're sitting in these chairs right now and how quickly they're hiring and how quickly they're they're delegating. And Rebecca, when we were wrapping up this last, this last conversation, you know, you were really challenging, you know, everyone to think about their their role as CEO, their and how they see themselves. You know, how can you be a mom and a wife and feel all of these responsibilities and still sit in, you know, at that CEO table. So Rebecca, just thoughts on that as we open up the space today. And we're going to talk about time management first, because a lot of times we say, we don't have time for that because I'm a this and I'm a that. Yeah, isn't that, that's like one of the classic things, right? Especially you get older, it's all about time and the weather. You're going to talk yeah. about all the time. You know, time management is such an interesting concept because again, it's, you know, it's you tying yourself to a story. And when we talk about time management with our, with our clients, we definitely get pushback. And the biggest pushback we get is, I left corporate America, or this is why I don't have a job. You don't understand. It's because I want to work on my own time and do my own thing. And then I'm like, okay, but so then you just create your own time management. And then it's like your plan. And then they do that. <laughs> right. So sometimes we have this thing about time where, well, if I have to be on a schedule, then I'm not being an entrepreneur guarantee any of the big people that you read about in entrepreneurship with big companies, they have, they have a routine and a structure, you know, and you hear about some of it, like they might get up at four 30 in the morning to meditate or, or whatever. And I'm not saying that you need to do anything extreme like that. But what I want you to know is you probably have a story right now about time that you don't have enough, that there's not enough time in the day that everyone else has to get their, you know, stuff, or you'd have to sacrifice something. 
well, I guess I do have the time, but then I'm going to, I'm not going to be able to work out or I'm not going to be able to meditate or I'm going to have to tell my family that they have to make dinner without me. And we kind of get into these like whiny stories about time and that we have to sacrifice time or we don't have enough time. And so again, there's, I'd encourage you if you're listening to this to like really tackle, like what's your current belief about time? Is there enough? Um, Do you not use it well? And there's no shame in that. We've got so many distractions these days with phones and games and social media and I mean, Netflix binging, right? And, and when I tell my clients when they're designing their perfect time management program, I'm like, great, put that stuff in. You want to blow 30 minutes on Candy Crush? Go for it. I don't have any judgment about that. You want to watch, you know, your TV show an hour a day or, you know, go through Netflix? Great. I'm not telling you you can't do anything, but the issue is I promise you have no concept of time when you don't lay it out and plan it out. And so then, you know, when you're in business and you're like, always be closing, right? You never can energetically get away from your business, which is why it's so exhausting. And then if you do something like go watch TV or get lost in your Facebook feed, now you feel guilty. So if you actually like got in front of time and you structured it and scheduled it, you get, I, I want people to believe, and I teach this, you have all the time in the world to do everything that you want. I've not really come across anybody when I actually sat down and mapped out how many hours are in the day. They're getting plenty of sleep. They're running their business. They're spending time with their spouse. They're spending time with their kids. They're going on vacation. Most people, when we run through it, they actually have extra time. In fact, I just did this with somebody last week and they had nine hours a week after they thought they had such a very busy, hectic, I got to take care of my parents and my kids and my spouse and I need to do Zumba a couple of days a week. And I just, you know, and I'm coaching and I'm doing this other program, you know, she's getting some other certifications. And after we like nailed it all down, she still had nine hours a week that she's like, I don't know what I'm going to do with that. I'm like, fill it up. (laughs) What are you going to do? You're going to read, you know, and so It's just a concept, but when you really are willing to look at it, you'll see that you actually have all the time in the world to do everything you want, which is being a great wife, a great mom, a great sister, or we don't want to leave out the guys here, you know, great husband, whatever. Um, Guys don't really struggle with it for some reason. It's really the women that kind of struggle with it, but um, you do, and you can run a successful business. So it's really, it's a, again, it's one of those big leaps that is a story that gets, convoluted back here and then it just becomes like you don't even know right I, I, t- I talk about uh it's like your family doesn't buy Ford for some reason and no one actually asks why it's just like your grandpa had a Ford and I don't know it didn't work and so he hates Fords and now he's a Chevy guy so then your dad's a Chevy guy and then you're a Chevy guy and then you're like how did I even become a Chevy person and nobody knows because we just regurgitate the belief all the way down it's the same thing with time So that would probably be the biggest thing I have to say about that is it starts with the belief and then it starts with the structure. Yeah. So we're going to dig into that a little more because I'm sure people are like, oh, that's great. But, you know, how do I do this? And I know I will say at the 2X Intensive, I've been blown away by how many hours we found. Like I knew I knew at a minimum we could find 10 hours a week, 40 hours a month with our clients. I knew that would like we could do that. And, you know, as they thought about what they could delegate, what I've been blown away by is the process that we take them through. Like at first pass, they can come up with, you know, 10 or 12 hours a week. The second pass, 
when we go through a deeper meditation into their perfect day, like when you know what it's going to be like to live your perfect day, all of a sudden you're ready to get all that stuff off your plate. And we've taken clients to 17 plus plus hours a week. And I I think of one client, like it kind of, it kind of gets me, you know, a little here because she had been doing a task in her business. She has a manufacturing company, a task in her business for years that she hated, like hated, right? And when we do things in our business that we don't really like, we start to resent the business and we start to wonder why we even got into it. And during this process, like something just shifted and she went, why am I still doing this? And Rebecca took her through an exercise, a signature process and showed her that she could get those, like that one task would, one task would give her 15 hours back per week And she could, you know, she could pay someone 15 hours, you know, $15 an hour or so to do it. And she did the multiplication on it. She showed her how much it was caught. Rebecca showed her how much it was costing her to keep doing this task. And so not only was it costing her money, she hated doing it. So she should, and, and the, the better part was that this person already existed in her world who was ready to go excited to do it. And it was great for her, right? She was going to make this money, blah, blah, blah. Like, great. And all of a sudden we saw this client fall in love with her business again. Rebecca, what, remember that, like, what are your thoughts on just, can you share a little bit more like high level, that process that we take our clients through at the two X and, and how, like how powerful it is to see these business owners, these CEOs get their time back. Yeah. I think it's going to tie to, to our fifth strategy, which is systems and operations, which we'll talk about a little bit more there, but we, again, you have this belief that you have to do everything in your company that you can't afford to hire help. And if you really look, if you really got conscious to everything you're doing in your business all day long, what we show you is most of it or a whole chunk of it is delegatable. Now, whether or not you choose to give that up is (laughs) totally up to you, but we can actually show our clients how much money it costs them to not give up those type of things. And when you, because that just seems to be currency, seems to be the, the universal language of why we do something or why we don't do something. And, you know, it goes back to number one when we talked about the numbers. That's why these seven things are so important in business. They interweave around your belief and what you think you know and and what you think your value really is. And this is where it shows up in time management is we actually think we're saving money by doing as much of the business as possible. And at the 2X, like Ursula said, you'll save at least 10 hours a week. And we'll put the math to that. And then it's kind of a no brainer on, oh my gosh, not only do I, should I not be doing this? I'm not growing my business when I do this. I'm not uh, saving money when I'm doing this. I'm actually costing myself money. And actually, you know, exponentially you're costing yourself money because you're not at your highest and best, which then starts taking a toll on personal life, personal health, relationships. I mean, I don't, I don't mean to make it sound so dire, but you know, it's just one of those things where we don't even stop to think about an alternative. And that's what I really want to get across is what if you could run a seven figure business working 20 hours a week? And some of you might be like, you're nuts. Or I read that four hour work week book. That was dumb. (laughs) It's, it's not as hard off as you think. And sometimes, you know, when you're the technician and you're down in the trenches and you think that's your best, highest and best use, I challenge you, I challenge you to, to do that and um, figure out like, wow, if you even got it, gave up 10 hours a week, what would that mean for you? Energetically, financially. And it just comes out of fear because you haven't done it before. 
right? And not knowing. And then what would you do with those 10 hours? What could you focus on? One of the things we talk about the 2X is your, you know, what are the top three needle movers you can work on every single day? And we say needle mover, we talk, we're, we mean those things that are going to move your business forward, that are going to grow, the things that you as the CEO should be doing. And we really help our clients identify what's their genius zone, what should they be focusing on, and what's delegatable. And really looking at the cost of not delegating, it starts to blow your mind. So I love the exercise that Rebecca takes people through because all of a sudden it's like, boom. So on that note of time management, of course, that, you know, insinuates that we have team, that we have someone to delegate to. So we're going to talk about team next. Then we'll talk about, you know, then how do we give, how do we create systems and operations for our team to take on? We know in all the work that we've done and just our own personal experience, it's interesting to hire a team. And often the first limiting belief that pops up when we talk about hiring team with our clients is I can't afford it because they're coming from that corporate mindset and they're picturing having to hire all of these W-2s, all these full-time people. I'm going to have to pay payroll taxes and all this stuff. And let me give you a little tip here. We have clients who have seven figure businesses and they don't have, they are the only W-2 in their business. And they only have a couple people on their team. Now, that may or may not work for every kind of business, but for a lot of businesses to grow seven figures, you don't need 10 people on your team. I did know someone one time who was very proud of having team and she kept hiring W-2s and more W-2s until she was like, what am I doing? This is crazy. Like, I'm not profitable. And we really looked at that. And we're like, we well, don't need all those W-2s, right? You can have part-time people. And this day and age in this gig world that we live in, this gig society, there are so many, many qualified people through, you know, I mean, even if you're just starting, there's people through Upwork, Fiverr, virtual assistants, there's, you know, so many different ways to build your team. So Rebecca, what are, what's, what are your best tips on, you know, that this, um, this fourth strategy of, you, you know, grow your dream team? Like what, what do you want us to talk about there? Well, I think first of all, Again, start with the belief about whether or not you can afford them or not afford them. And another thing I think is really think about what would these people do and just start small. Like Ursula said, you don't need to be like, oh my gosh, I need to find like a $36,000 salary to pay someone and, you know, all that stuff. Just start small. If someone could do something for 10 hours a week for you at 15 bucks an hour, what would that be? And so, and then also, uh, in team, we hire people that do the job, not necessarily people that we like, and we're going to have a good time with. So one of the biggest mistakes I see people is like, well, I'm super charismatic and fun. And so anyone on my team, because that's my company culture needs to be charismatic and fun. Good luck finding a charismatic and fun bookkeeper. I mean, I'm sorry if you're a bookkeeper, it's not that you're not awesome, but I need well, to be clear. We know some really fun bookkeepers. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want any fruit thrown at us. Uh, part of the part of the team is like the diversity. So, you know, you, you don't want, like we talk about, you know, different types of personalities, like dreamers and thinkers and all that. Uh, you don't want a dreamer uh, doing your books. <laughs> That's like easily distracted. And so really focusing on like, what are the attributes that this role you know, the, this job or whatever, this thing I need under my company, like, do they need to be detail oriented? Do they need to be a people person? Like I want people, people, people persons in my customer service. Like maybe they're making appointments for me or, or whatever. And so I think it's like getting to that point where it's like getting the person on the right seat on the bus. Um, you want someone that is not afraid to ask for money selling your stuff. <laughs> 
I, I just went through this in a company that uh, my wife and I started this summer and found out that one of the partners actually doesn't like asking for money, which was really bad because uh, she was customer acquisition. <laughs> so, you know, you learn those lessons, but um, there's a good chance that your best team is not going to be exactly like you. And that doesn't mean that, you know, you don't get along and, and you're not shared vision and all of that. Um, I think Ursula and I, we do that really well. Uh, we're very rooted in the same beliefs um, or whatever you want to call it, values, but we're definitely two different people. But because we have that base, um, that base in common, then we work really well together. And we're also very opposite, which is our clients love it. But think of that, you know, as kind of when you're thinking about a team who can compliment you and have you working your, in your best role as a CEO and they're working in their best role. And there are so many tools out there too, like disc assessment and other personality assessments, like we're, we're a plethora, right? So you can get that support in hiring and really figuring out who you need on your team next. So on that note, moving into, all right, I'm starting to build my team or I just hired my first virtual assistant. And now, now we're realizing that things are clunky, right? And the virtual assistant, it takes forever to get a certain thing done, or they can't find this, or you know, we're creating one more Google Doc for this, but it's it's just not, it's not efficient. And so Rebecca, I know your brain thrives on systems and operations. And a lot of times now our clients are like, okay, you know what, I'll just talk to Rebecca about that. So tell me about like, how do we even start to think about systems and operations in our business once we get that first or second person on our team? Or even before that, right? Yeah, I think that goes back to as humans, we're very adaptable and we love to compartmentalize things. So once we learn something or we have our routine, we actually do it half conscious. Like think of a time like maybe maybe driving to your kid's school, right? Like you do that every day, two times a day for like so many years. I guarantee you there's been a few times you've arrived at the school and I see like you woke up and you're like, how did I, how did I get here? It's like your mind automatically knows where the stop lights are, you know, all that stuff. And so the same thing happens in our business. And so we are like, well, what would I hand off? Or we don't hand off enough for the person that we hired to win doing that job. Right. We just assume that they should know how to do it. So maybe take like a chocolate cake recipe you know, when you're looking at a recipe and I'm like, what's the most important part of a recipe? And everyone will say, well, the ingredients, not really. The most important part is the instructions, right? So you can have all the ingredients to like, Hey, you know, I want to get a bookkeeper. So they need to like file my quarterlies and put together my P and L and then they need to pay my vendors and they need to do AR. And you just think of like all these things, but if you can't show them how, or like what your expectations are in that role or what tools do they need logins? Do they need scripts? Do they need templates? Do they need forms? And that's all the stuff. And even I know some of you right now are like, oh my gosh, stop saying words, Rebecca. Like that's way too, you know, but I'm sorry, that's a system and a process. You know, if you have kids and your kid's like, hey, can I go play at my friend's house? And you're like, yeah, just make sure your room is clean. If your family does not have an agreed upon process or system or protocol for a clean room, Chances are there's going to be stuff in the closet, under the bed, the beds, you know, the pillars are going to be wet, their, their toys are going to just be shoved in the corner. But if your family had like, hey, here's the 12 signs of a clean bedroom, all toys are in the bins, all clothes are either put in the dirty hamper or put away, your bed's made with pillows, there's nothing under your bed. You know, if you had all that stuff and then your kid's like, can I go play? And you're like, yeah, when your room's clean, if you have that agreement on what a clean room is, 
you have that process or that system or protocol, then it's going to work out a lot better. It's when we don't communicate or we leave out a lot of the steps, assuming that someone should just know. Um, you know, when I take on coaching uh, for companies, the first thing I say is, well, how do you want me to coach your clients? And then they're like, they freak out for a second because they're like, wait, what are you talking about? You're a coach. What do you mean? How do you do it? I'm freaking out right now. And I'm like, well, no, how do you want me to do it here? Like, what's the protocol? Do you want me to start out with questions? Do you want me to give them homework? Do I send them notes after? Do you want us to record it? Um, there's so many different ways that maybe Ursula wants it done or another client or maybe something you want done. And it's okay to say, this is the way I want something done. And that's the only way you can let it go. Otherwise, you're going to hire someone and you're going to micromanage the hell out of them because they don't have all the pieces. So you got to like watch them and then like go behind and fix it. And then you just shouldn't have hired anybody anyways. Now you're just paying someone for you to babysit them. So that's why like really laying it out step by step by, and you can't delineate it. I mean, as much, like even like as much as you could delineate it where it's like, here's a screenshot of like where to log in. And then here's a screenshot of this. And then here's a video on how, and then here's the script, say this exact, that is totally fine. And that's the best quality control um, that will give you peace of mind that the things that you hand off to a team member are doing, are done well. And that's, and that's such a great point too, just the way you laid it out, because then the next piece is how can, how can we document that? And so when, when you have someone on your team, it's great to just say like, can you start, like, please start documenting that, give the direction of, you know, let's put it into you know, a Word document, I want you to, so we have our systems and operations all documented. So just in case they decide to leave, it's already in a process and a system and they can hand it off to the next person and train them easily. I wanna make sure, so this high level systems and operations, if your eyes glazed over, it's okay, I get it. I know most of us CEOs, that's not the space we love to live in. At the same time, this might be something you wanna to listen to again, because think of it, as Rebecca said, you're just laying out a step-by-step, -step, like, Step number one is this. Here's step number two. Here's like a recipe, right? Here's my recipe that I need you to follow. And or when you hire people who are experts in their space, you can ask them, like, what is the process that you go through to get my P&L report to me at the end of every month? They might say, well, you know, you have to send me this or you have to give me access to this and this needs to happen and I'll be able to get it to you by the state. In my company as well, I think about our monthly easing, which we've been sending for, I think, 15 years now, religiously. And so we have a process and a system. I don't even see it until it gets to me and I just need to make any changes. Or I just put my eyes on it because I do. I still want to see that last piece. But by then, it's been edited. It's been cleaned up. It's like if they are, you know, my team knows exactly how it needs to look down to the size of the pictures matching. Right. So we've created that that process. It's already there. So. Think of it as a recipe for each area of your business to make it really work. All right. So that was, you know, creating the systems and operations that will help you to X your business. We have two more strategies that I want to cover before we wrap up. The next one is to be, um, be willing to be vulnerable and ask for help. We talked about this a little bit on part one of this show. I don't want to gloss over this, though, because it, it, is, it is one of the keys that we see in you know, one of, especially one of the strategies that our clients, when they employ asking for help and being, being vulnerable, they 2x, 3x, 10x faster. And one of our kind of red flags is when we're talking to a prospective client, and if they're not willing to be vulnerable with us, it's really hard for us as coaches to meet them there because we don't really know what's going on in their business. Like if they're not willing to say, here's where I'm really struggling. Here's what's not working. Here's what's frustrating me every day. If they just come and they're like, yeah, everything's going pretty well. 
we have nothing, we can't help you. Right. And, and we know we, cause we know every business, if it's growing, if it's moving forward, there's challenges inside the business. There's things that, that need support if they want to move faster. So being willing to reach out and ask for help. So Rebecca, what are your additional thoughts in this? Just how important it is to be willing to be vulnerable and to be willing to ask for help and to even know what kind of help we might need. Yeah. Um, there's so many things. There's so many things to learn about business. I mean, you, you could not stop reading enough books. You could not stop listening, listening to enough podcasts or, you know, whatever photo ops with Gary V or, you know, any of these like famous people. But the truth is, is action is what gets you somewhere. And so, you know, I always say like, Hey, we can have a really great conversation during our coaching time. And I could really share some amazing stories and some success tips and all kinds of stuff. But if that's not relevant to where you're at in business right now, what the breakthrough is that you need right now in business, then honestly, it's just a waste of both of our times. Um, I think sometimes we just like hope for those golden nuggets. That's going to be the biggest breakthrough. And when I have this golden nugget in 30 days, I'm going to have a million dollar business and it doesn't work like that. And again, I think that's part of our culture where we live in a culture of like, fit, you know, Instagram filters. And again, it's, it's that posturing. And it's like that we have to be so big and grandiose all the time. Like we've got to just have like ridiculous life-changing copy or content or like, you know, and that's why we like even talk about 2X um, because for some people it's like, if I could just double like to 10X and like go buy a Learjet and a yacht would be amazing. But let's be clear for most of us, if we just doubled our company, that would change so many things for our life. And so again, that willingness to be vulnerable is like, what, what's not working right now? I can't get you to Z if you're stuck on D. So we don't really need to talk about T, like, like S-T-U-V, right? Like it doesn't matter. Like the best that you're going to get is like, how do I get through my next breakthrough? And just being willing to say, I'm totally stuck on running Facebook ads. I'm sick of looking at YouTube videos on how to do Facebook ads or, or whatever. I mean, usually it's like, that's where you're stuck. So sometimes we jump over the uncomfortableness of not being vulnerable so that we can be in like the grandiose dreaming CEO million dollar business conversation. And that's a fun conversation to be in, but it's not helping you today. And so I think like just being to say, here's where I'm stuck. And I think if when you get a people, a bunch of vulnerable CEOs, you would be shocked at what they struggle with. Yeah. Image grammar, uh, leadership conversations, pep talks, team building, you know, even like with, like with what they do with their clients, if you're a coach or a practitioner, there's always that thing that's like, am I good enough? Am I giving that value? Like, you know, what, what, what are you overcompensating for? And sometimes you just need someone to hold up a mirror that's like, holy crap, you're amazing. We're our, we're our worst critics. We're so hard on ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so part of being vulnerable is say like, look, I'm struggling with this belief that maybe people don't want to buy my stuff. Like maybe I think it's way cooler than everybody else. And we mask that. And then that's not really the breakthrough that we need to go to the next level. And so I just think that's, it's just so important yeah. um, to be willing to be vulnerable. And those people that are, are the most co- they're most coachable and they get the best out of our brains and they have the best results. Hands yeah. Up. Yeah. Imposter syndrome is real. I mean, there's so many people, 
so many people that not only our clients, but I myself have struggled with imposter syndrome at times and just the, the not believing that, you know, you're enough. And then on the one hand, I think it's a good barometer to, to because it shows you what you have to work on. On the other hand, at some point, you got to let that go or you're not going to you're not going to be able to make the impact with the amount of clients that you can make the impact with. And on that note of, you know, going from this willingness to be vulnerable, this last strategy, strategy number seven is to get into community, get into a community, get into community, be part of a community, create your own community. You know, I, there are communities that I've created that our clients are part of. There's communities that I'm part of that I could not do what I'm doing today without those communities. And there's, there's many, there's the, there's nonprofits that I'm involved in. There's coaching groups that I'm in. There's networking groups. Like there's so many different communities. There's our sales coach now community, which all of you, all of you are now part of. And I read a great book this year called who not how by Dan Sullivan. He's, he's a great coach. And the book is, it's, it is what it says it is. He wrote it with somebody else, which is great because his whole point is like, I don't have time to write this book. So I found somebody who could write it with me and it's all about delegating, but the asking the question of who, who do I need that's going to help me get to this next level. Who do, whose community am I jumping into? And I think this, this piece of um, finding your tribe, find as Seth Godin so beautifully said, and finding that community that's going to up-level you right mm -hmm. now is critical. And you know, if we are your community and you want to increase the time that you spend in our community, we want to invite you to do that. Rebecca, what are your final thoughts as we're wrapping up on the importance of community and uh, inviting our listeners to become part of that? Yeah, I think uh, what I would add to the community piece is be vulnerable enough and willing enough to choose a community that will push you. Mm. Um, too many times we love to be the big fish in the, in the small fish pond. And I guarantee you that that's not helping um, the personal, uh, I don't know what you call it, like uh, insecurity or fear um, that I've had to like overcome in my life to give myself permission to hang out with people that were playing big games. That was that I definitely would not be where I am if I wasn't willing to do that. And so when you're looking for a community, you want a community that's actually going to push you. In fact, somebody we just got a client who got kicked out of their mastermind and it was so awesome because the mastermind cared enough about this person to say we can't serve you anymore like you're you're on to such bigger and better things you need to go find a community that can push you and I just thought wow how she felt bad she got kicked out and I was like are you kidding me that's so awesome that they just didn't want to like suck you dry being the big fish in the pond like they cared enough about you to push you out so that you can continue that growth and so I think you know, don't choose a community that's comfortable. I always say it, growth never happens in comfort, ever. And so a lot of people are like, oh my gosh, you guys are amazing. Someday I'll join your community when I feel like I'm good enough or I have enough money or my business is a certain way. It has nothing to do with that. Get into a community that's going to push you, hold you accountable, give you the tools and resources for you to grow the business that you want. That's really what it's about. And that goes back to belief and vulnerability and just being willing to step into what you really, really desire. Awesome. Well, that's a perfect place to wrap up, Rebecca. Thanks again for sharing and having this conversation with me. We talked about seven strategies to break through your current income ceiling, 2X, 3X, 4X your business. I have a feeling this is going to be a highly rated show, Rebecca. So well done. <laughs> and I want to invite our listeners. This might be a show that you, you listen to again. And we would love, love to um, work with you. So Rebecca, I just want to say thanks again for being here. 
Yeah, thank you. These are always so fun. So come join us. We want to play with you. We would love that. And if you haven't yet, go to salescoachnow.com forward slash apply, A-P-P-L-Y. Just fill out a quick survey of information. It'll come to me and we'll have someone reach out to you to talk about our next 2X intensive that's coming up. If you're interested in virtual sales camp, you know, working on getting to that first six figures, you can email contact at salescoachnow.com. Our team has a very special investment price for you as well there. That's it for now, everybody. May this be your most epic month yet. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening to Double Your Sales Now. To get more information to take your sales to the next level, visit us at salescoachnow.com. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to tune in next week. And until then, we'd appreciate your review on iTunes.